Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, in celebration of Black History Month, Andrew is joined by David Barton as they discuss the numerous black heroes of America. In the South, the war is over, but that didn't change hearts. If someone like a Woodrow Wilson comes out with his book and doesn't tell me about these black heroes, then I don't know about them. Well, that's a problem. And now, here's Andrew. Today I'm continuing interviewing David Barton, and we've been talking about heroes, black heroes in American history. Most people haven't heard these things. I never have. I tell you, this has been blessing me and inspiring me. You are going to be blessed. So stay tuned as I interview David Barton on today's Gospel Truth. You know, we mentioned this before we started the TV programs, but I believe in evolution, downward <laughs> evolution, <laughs> that honestly, I've read some of these things from the 1600s, 1700s, and those people uh, make the way that we communicate today seem really... Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing baby talk. We are. I yeah. mean, they were intellectuals. They thought differently. Well, the, the key is they thought. We listened, they thought. Um, in the 1920s, this is a different thing, but in the 1920s, Progressive reformed education made five major pedagogical shifts. One was we used to teach students how to think. Now we teach them how to learn. And as learners, and here, here's one of the great indications. We did not have multiple choice, fill in the blank, or true false questions until the 1920s. And the purpose of that is instead of focusing on you as a student and teaching you how to think, I want you to repeat what I told you. Did I tell you A, B, C, or D? I told you this, true or false. I, now what we're doing is spitting back whatever the teacher tells us, which is, oh, I saw it on the internet. Well, I heard it on the news. Have you thought about it? Is there another side to it? Well, I heard it, I saw it, I read it. We're learners now, and so we receive whatever somebody, including about black history, because it, it is just wrong to teach black history only from a Southern view and not teach all the heroes and overcomers and all the massive contributions we have from so many others. And that's because we're not, the same intellectual level of thinkers, we're now listeners and learners. And if, if someone like a Woodrow Wilson comes out with his book and doesn't tell me about these black heroes, then I don't know about them. Well, that's, that's a problem. We got to get out. We, we've got to teach ourselves to fish rather than having somebody give us fish. So after the Civil War, of course, the South was subjected, but did that change their heart? Did they just all of a sudden the war is over and so did they accept the black? What happened? Uh, in the South, the war is over, but that didn't change hearts. Law does not change hearts. That's why having gun control laws will not change the hearts. Um, and that's what you see in the South. If you've been a racist, I can pass a law saying you can't be a racist anymore. All right, I'll just put a hood on my head. I'll be a member of the Ku Klux Klan. You won't know who I am. You can't punish me because you can't find me, but I'll still be a racist and I'll still use the hate and everything. You can, we passed. We passed 23 civil rights laws between 1861 and 1876. 23. Should have guaranteed every equal right. Hmm, we're into the 1930s and 40s and still don't have that yet. I wonder if we need more laws. No, we need heart changes. Yeah. And, and that was the problem now, with the Reconstruction. Now, is I also correct that uh, Lincoln was really pushing? He, he had a restoration plan in place for the blacks, but at his um, assassination, basically, that was stopped. Well, he had a I restoration mean, had plan for blacks and whites, and that's what made him unique. 
because there was a lot of restoration plan in place for blacks, but you have to get whites on board too. The Southern whites have to get on board. Otherwise, the, the progress you make is not gonna happen. And so while there were so many whites in the North that were for the progress, uh, you know, the, the Quakers and the Congregationalists and so many denominations, the Free Methodists, the Westlands, they're so biblical, they're so equal rights, they're so advocates. They ran the Underground Railroad. They were the guys who picked up the guns and went to war and freeing slaves was big to them. In the South, it wasn't all about slavery, but it was for so many in the North. I mean, those guys, they didn't need to be reconstructed, if you would. There's a lot of Southern folks that need to change their thinking. And so Lincoln had a plan to work on both because he realized you, you can't just legislate good behavior. You, you got to change the way people just think. Just because he won the war doesn't mean that their hearts right. were changed. That's right. And so the, the assassination of Lincoln um, really changed that. It polarized the sides. Instead of having the two sides come together, now they get more combative against each other. And so Andrew Johnson on the one side and the fierce abolitionists on the other and President Andrew Johnson, and it, become, it becomes a real problem. But there were, there were people trying to work, but, but even at that, I mean, even after the Civil War, I mean, we, we talked about stories yesterday. Um, so there, there's even so many guys that became big after the Civil War that are worth hearing their stories. And, and, and let me just pull one. This is one of my favorite guys. Now, most folks today don't know who he is. His name is Robert Smalls. He was a slave in South Carolina. He was impressed into the Confederate Navy because in Charleston, he really knew the harbors, really knew the waters, really knew the ships. And so he ends up becoming the pilot on the flagship for the Confederate Navy there in South Carolina. Now, this, this is the flagship he was the pilot of. It's called the Planter. And so the planter, General Ripley, was the Confederate general who had this. And being in Charleston, which is where Fort Sumner was, that's where the Civil War started, was there at Fort Sumter. Charleston Harbor, because it's a harbor, you know that that's where the enemy wants to come. If they can get the ships in the harbor, then they can get inland and everything. So there's four forts there in Charleston Harbor. And they're Confederate held, and they're just not putting up with anything that's not Confederate. So he's, he's the pilot that, that handled, helps handle all this for the general on this planter ship. So what happens is Robert Smalls doesn't want to be in slavery, nor does his crew. And th this is his crew, by the way. So he started making plans. We need to escape. We can steal the ship. We can get it out of here. The, the Union has the, the harbor blockaded because Union didn't want any supplies coming into South Carolina. So the Union Navy sitting right out there just a couple miles out. They blockaded the harbor. We've got to get to them with the ship. And so they talk about how to do it. Now, any type of escape is a death penalty thing. If they fail, they are all dead. And so scared to do it, but they want freedom. And so it comes time that General Ripley went ashore one night for, he went ashore one afternoon for a meeting. And so the general's off the boat and Robert Small says, now's the time. So Robert gets the other guys together, said, guys, now's the time. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know if we can do this. Go get your families. We're gonna get your families. We're gonna get out of here. Now's the time. So to get that ship, the planter, to get that out of the harbor, he has to go right past all those ships. And what you have to do, all, all those forts, to go past the forts, you have, to, you have to have the general's uniform on. You gotta beat the general. And you got to look up at the sentry in the fort and you got to give the password and you have to blow the whistle on the ship with the right sequence of passwords, all, all the forts. He's obviously a black guy. The general obviously wasn't a black guy. So what he does is he puts on the general's jacket. He's got all of his guys stowed away down underneath. And as they go by the forts, he turns his back to him and just yells his password over the shoulder. 
and yells the password and blows the signal on the on the horns. And you go, oh my gosh, they're not responding. We're all dead. And then pass the planter. He gets the word and they pass. They go through all the series of forts and flying the Confederate flag, the flagship, and they get outside and finally they're in the harbor, no more ships to pass. They head straight for the Union Navy. They still got their flag flying, forgot to take the flag down. So now you've got a Confederate ship, looks like it's attacking the Union Navy. Union Navy says, open up on them, blow them out of the water. And that's when Robert Smalls, the guys go, oh, get the flag down. So they ran up a bed sheet real quick, a tablecloth bed sheet thing. And just before they fired, one of the Union guys looked up and says, whoa, I, 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 I think there's a white flag. And so they held off. They got it there and they boarded the ship. And what's, what's the deal? And Robert Small says, we have a present for Uncle Abe. And that was a statement. We brought this ship. So they took them to the White House. They got with President Lincoln. They gave the ship to President Lincoln. President Lincoln then gave them the spoils of war because that was a captured ship and, and they all got economically rewarded. And then Robert Smalls has made the, the pilot on the ship. Now they took that same ship and turned it into a Union ship. So he now goes back to Charleston as a Union soldier doing that ship. And they got into a big battle. The Confederate Navy came after them. And the white captain of that ship just, I mean, they're getting pounded. And the white captain goes down under deck and says, raise the white flag, give up, surrender now. It is a Confederate law that you take no black prisoners. You kill them all. That was the, the massacre of Fort Pillow. They killed all the blacks that surrendered. And so Robert Small says, uh-uh, no. He took control of the ship, turned around and won the battle and, and defeated the other ships. And so General Gilmore, the Union General, says, you are now the captain of the ship. He became the first black naval captain in American history. He goes on through 17 more battles with that ship and wins all sorts of battles. After the war is over, he starts several businesses. Uh, he is really a, a strong Christian guy, starts several businesses and says, we need political help. He founded the Republican Party of South Carolina. Oh, really? He goes on to be a major general. Now, if you look up on Wikipedia Internet today, say, who's the first black general in American history? General Davis, the, the Vietnam War, 68. No. Robert Smalls was a major general, a two-star general, back in, right after the Civil War. I mean, there's just so many Is things. Is that an intentional thing? or Nobody knows history today. All, all they know is what they get off the Internet. We're not thinkers. We're learners. And we learned on, I read on the Internet that the first black general was General Davis, Vietnam. No, two-star general Robert Smalls back then. And, and so he goes on to be a member of Congress. He's elected as a member of Congress. He's one of those first 23 guys elected. So I mean, this would have all been in the late 1860s, 70s? This, this is in, in the period from about 1863 through about 1870, 72. Um, he, he served a number of terms in Congress from South Carolina. So, you know, we, we look at these guys and, and, and they just did remarkable stuff like a Robert Smalls. And we go, wow, that's a really cool story. And it is. And, and, you know, even if I take this now, that's United States currency. But what nobody pays attention to is right down here. There is a name right there that says B.K. Bruce. That's Blanche Kelso Bruce. He's the second black U.S. senator in American history. Hiram Rhodes Revels was the first. And then the second, also from Mississippi, Blanche Kelso Bruce. Blanche Kelso Bruce is the first black man to be nominated for vice president of the United States. James G. Blaine was nominated for president. Blanche Kelso Bruce nominated for vice president. He was not elected. It was a different ticket elected. 
But then President Garfield, who had been a general in the revolution, helped with the civil rights laws, he appointed him over the treasury. And so now he's in the treasury and he's the registrar of the treasury, putting his name on all pieces Man. of money. That's I've never heard small, any of this never, stuff. Never, that's not a small thing. And no, by the way, huge. Grover Cleveland reappointed him. So there's two rounds of currency that have Blanche Kelso Bruce on it. Blanche Kelso Bruce, strong Christian guy, helped do seminary kind of stuff. So, I mean, black so heroes everywhere. it sounds everywhere. like that from the uh, Civil War and maybe a decade or so later that the blacks were making some huge inroads yeah. and stuff. So. How did we get from that to where they were beginning to have influence back to where we are in the early 1900s yeah. that they were just totally oppressed? Let, let's, let's go through the influence and the growing influence they had. Because with the 13th Amendment being passed by Congress, 1865, we've now ended slavery. 240 years, there's no more slavery in America. Well, the Southern states said, okay, blacks may be free, but they don't get to own property, they don't get to marry, they don't get to own guns or weapons, they don't. So you have now this was only in the south. Only in the south. Middle? Only in the south. And how many uh, states were, was that? There were eleven Confederate states. Now some of them were worse than others. There's, there's no question. Some were, and there was still prejudice in places in the north as well. But by and large, we're talking generalizations. So generalizations. What you have is you have a lot of southern states that said, "Uh, -uh these guys are in fear, and we're not going to." And, and by the way. So in other words, the, the war, they lost the war, but they weren't giving up. They, they had they their were states. Still they, still, they, they still had their states. As a matter of fact, let me pull out right here. This is the famous Dred Scott decision. The Dred Scott decision, the U.S. Supreme Court announced that blacks are not people, they're property. And one of the famous lines is, no black has any right which a white man is bound to respect. This was the view in a whole lot of the southern states. Now, the abolitionists said absolutely not. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said, ignore this decision. It's now, just, that was a Supreme Court that's decision. That's the U.S. Supreme Court. So you have this mentality of Dred Scott still in much of the South. And so what happens is even though the, the wars ended, they're saying, well, we have all these rights, Bill of Rights in the South, but they don't apply to black people. So in 1868, the Federal Congress added the 14th Amendment, said, if you're a former slave, you get all the rights of a state citizen regardless of your race. So they can't tell you you can't marry or can't own land or can't have a gun. Any right that anybody in the state gets, you get the same right. So that's the 14th Amendment. Now, most people would believe that didn't happen until the 1960s during no, the Civil Rights That's movement. right. Well, see, this is the next thing. Most people think it's the Voting Rights of 1965. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 is what guaranteed voting rights for blacks. No, no, no. Because even after blacks had the right for state citizenship, still in the South, they would not let blacks vote. So in 1870, a new constitutional amendment passed, the 15th Amendment, that said, regardless of your previous condition of servitude, regardless of your race, you have the right to vote if you're an American citizen. So it's not the 1965 Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act that gave blacks the right to vote. It's a constitutional amendment in 1870. But people in the South found ways to get around that. So what happens is now that blacks can vote, you're looking at states like South Carolina where there were more slaves than there were white people. Well, guess what? All those slaves are now voters and they're now free and they're not gonna vote for a bunch of guys who put them in slavery. So suddenly you start seeing all over the Southern states, blacks are elected to office at an incredible rate. But the deal is at that point in time, politics being what it was, 
you, you had a number of anti-slavery parties in early America, as you get in the 1830s, 40s. You had the Abolition Party, the Liberty Party, the, the Emancipationist Party, the Free Soiler Party, and, and you had the Whigs, and you had Democrats, and you had all these parties. The Democrats are the consistently the ones who said slavery is good for the black. And, and that's in their platforms. I have the Democrat platform from 1864, and Democrats say slavery is good for the blacks. The Democrats gave out the Dred Scott decision with the platform to say, see, even the Supreme Court has acknowledged that slavery is good for the blacks. And so what happens is when blacks become free, they say, you know, Abraham Lincoln is the first Republican guy, and he gave all this for us to be free. We're going to be Republicans. And so at that point in time, that's why we talked about Robert Smalls. He founded the South Carolina Republican Party. So here's where it gets interesting. You're now having blacks voting, electing people. The first 190 blacks elected to office in South Carolina were all Republicans. I'm from Texas. The first 41 blacks elected to office in Texas were all Republicans. Matter of fact, the Republican Party of Texas was started on the 4th of July, 1867, by 150 blacks and 20 whites. So Southern Republican parties were started by blacks. The, the first 137 blacks elected to office in Louisiana were Republican. The first 99 in Alabama, 112 in Mississippi, 41 in Georgia, the first 41 in Florida. It's just amazing. We don't know that part of our so history. So this begs the question, if they were all voted into these offices and stuff, how come it didn't change? Here's what, what happened? happened is now that these guys are holding office and have power of government, a lot of the other guys didn't like that. And so in 1866, as all this change is taking place and blacks are being elected to office all over the United States, there's a group that says we have got to get control of, of politics away from the Republicans because all the blacks are Republicans. And we, we have that. I remember in this thing, uh, I listened to it and you, I think a guy was from Mississippi and he was yes. quoting and saying that he could not find one black Republican right. in the entire state. It, not, no, not one black Democrat in the entire oh, state. Excuse me, that's right. Yeah, the, in, in the congressional hearings on, on the Ku Klux Klan in 1875, uh, the testimony was federal government. They, they said they've surveyed all the southern states. They found said in Mississippi, they found one black who was not a Republican. There's one black Democrat in Mississippi. That's all they found. So the, the deal is you got to get control away from the Republicans. The KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, was founded in 1866 with the stated purpose of taking power back from the Republicans. Now, if you're going to take power back from the Republicans, who are you going to target? Republicans. In the South, Nearly all Republicans were black. Now, some were white. As a matter of fact, this is a Ku Klux Klan hit card from 1868. On the back of this card, it gives you the names of Is all. that an original? This is an original. Wow. That's original Klan card from 1868. It gives you the names of all the guys you're after here on the back. Wow. These are the, you, you got it. Now, what you have here is 63 faces, 63 pictures, 63 names. They're all legislators. We're, we're going to get rid of Republicans. So what you have here is 50 black faces and 13 white faces. So the Klan was after Republicans. Now, most people don't know that between 1882 and 1962, there were about 4,800 lynchings in America, which is, you know, the, the Klan used lynchings. We, we have, you know, several lynching pictures here, Klan pictures. They're, they're bondable. And the reason they did this is the same reason that ISIS does its executions in public today. You want to terrorize, intimidate people, so they would have these public executions. And that's a clan. We want to drive everybody into the woodwork. We don't want Republicans coming out. 
So of the 4,800 lynchings that happened in America by the Klan and, and lynchings and racist stuff, 1,300 lynchings were of white guys and 3,500 lynchings were of black guys. And most people have no clue that the Klan lynched, but it was about one fourth, because you could say back then, any black you find in the South, they're gonna be Republican. Now you can't lynch every white because some might be Democrat, and that was the mentality. So in the hearings in Congress, the Democrat members of Congress and the Klan both said that the Klan was a political organ of the Democrat Party. We acknowledge that because we're trying to get our state back from these black Republicans. So that's where the Klan got started. People don't know that. It's like, how can you say that? I can say that because the it's documents are right fact. here. This is fact, and it may not be in textbooks today. You can go online. You can go to all the congressional records. You can go to all the hearings. You can go to all the photographs. This is not stuff that, that is made up. You know, just to verify this, Jamie read uh, um, Ulysses S. Grant's biography, and in there he was talking about after the Civil War. And again, you can put all of this in its proper perspective, but they actually sent troops into the South to enforce some of these rights that they had given the blacks, and yet the South just resisted them. And he gave a specific example of a black man who was elected to office in uh, Louisiana, and I mean the Democrats, just turned out in mass and they began to start killing people and refused to allow this guy to take his the, office. The Colfax incident in, in Louisiana resulted in the deaths of about 20 folks because they rushed the new elected official and killed all the folks around him trying to kill him. Federal troops came in and saved the guy from being killed. So what happened is even though we passed the 4th, 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments of the Constitution, we've passed those amendments. Even though we passed them, and none of the southern states were allowed back into the United States, not allowed to become part of the United States, unless they agreed to abide by those amendments. They've all agreed to do it. They still did not do it at the state level. And so that's where federal troops were sent in Reconstruction. Reconstruction officially ended in 1876. And when the federal troops were taken out of the South, then the, the lynchings went you know, through the And why the did they and, remove the troops? Uh, they removed the troops because the election of 1876 was... Uh, you had Samuel Tilden was a Democrat candidate, and you had uh, Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican candidate. So the elections counted, the electoral votes were counted, and what happened was out of South Carolina, a southern state, out of Florida, a southern state, out of Louisiana, a southern state, they reported double results because the Democrats didn't count the black votes, but the federal counters counted black and white votes. And so the Democrats refused to recognize the federal counts and so by not counting the federal counts, only counting the white votes, the Democrats won those three states. By counting black votes, the Republicans won them. So what happens is the Democrats contest the presidential election and say Rutherford B. Hayes is not president because you're counting the wrong set of votes from these three southern states, you gotta count our set of votes. And so we went almost six months without a president of the United States. And we think the election of 2000 was, a, a, you know, how can we go for 61 days or whatever it was? There's nothing new under the sun, nothing is under there? The sun. These things have happened So before. they appointed a commission made up of Supreme Court justice, equal number of Republicans and Democrats to look at the voter fraud that happened. And when it's all over and done with, the Democrats say, okay, we will let you win the presidential election as long as you agree to take all federal troops out of the South. If you'll take federal troops out, you can win the election. So Samuel Tilden, Democrat, Canada did not win. Rutherford B. Hayes, the Republican president, did, but all federal troops are now gone, which now puts it back in the hands primarily of people who are very anti-civil rights. Now, civil rights, I mean, we, we had the federal bills. I mean, these, 
These happen to be three of the original federal bills of this, this um, 24 Civil Rights Act. This is a federal bill. Uh, this one is to equalize the pay of soldiers in the American Army. Black and white soldiers get equal pay. Uh, this, is, this is one um, that's, that gives equal rights before the courts of law. In courts of law, blacks and whites are equal. Um, this one is the Freedmen's Bureau to make sure that, that blacks are able to get all this, the, the things they need from the government. And so all of that's there. It doesn't matter that we pass that federally because in the South, they just ignore it. Man, if you've watched all of today's program, I know that you were blessed. And I want to encourage you to, you need to not only get this, you need to get this so that you can go over it yourself, but so that you can share it with other people. We have six weeks worth of television broadcasts, the two that I'm doing here during Black History Month 2020, but also we have uh, teachings that I interviewed David back in 2009 and also 2013. And so six weeks worth of interview with David Barton, and this would be a blessing to you. We've also got information about how you can go directly to their website at Wall Builders, and it would be a blessing. You need this not only for yourself, but for other people. Listen to our announcer and please call or write today. Today, you saw a portion of Andrew's interview discussing Black History Month and the role Black Americans have played in America's history. This entire interview is available as part of the God and Country album, which also includes previous interviews with David Barton discussing America's godly heritage. God and Country is available in either a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. A lot of ministers tend to feel isolated. Some ministers have even been at the point of quitting. The 2020 Army Conference aims to solve that problem. The Army is a good way to network with other ministers that have the same spirit, are on the same page. I came to the Army Conference to, to connect, uh, to be built up, to fellowship, and to tap into all the great resources the ministry offers. Through practical workshops and personal ministry in an intimate setting, you will enjoy a time of sincere unification and connection with other ministers. We want to see each other succeed, and we're here to support each other and encourage each other within ministry and what God has called each one of us to do for His kingdom. Make plans to join us at the 2020 Army Conference. Register now for this free conference on our website, awmi.net, or call us at 719-635-1111. Have you checked out the inside story yet? It's a great way for you to get an inside look of what is happening at Andrew Womack Ministries. With over six years of interviews, there's a lot to get excited about. Check out this month's featured story today, only at awmi.net.
We've got a great feature on Gospel Truth TV, and that is the on-demand feature, and that's where if you aren't watching at the time your favorite program comes on, you can go back and get whatever you want to see on demand. Check it out at gospeltruth.tv.